Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Pay. Hey, Cliff. Hey, Bobo. How you doing today, man? Good. How's it going with you? It's going all right. It's going all right. It's snowing outside today. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's been snowing more or less all day long. So that's been a little challenging, I guess, in some ways, you know, because I, uh, I have to go outside to speak to people because I live in the woods and I get crappy reception. And uh, I had some business to take care of today. And I had I was outside in the porch for 35 or 40 minutes, just freezing. That was like I went to the Nebraska Bigfoot conference last month in February and the blizzards were hitting. It was, it was like six six degrees below zero or something like that. And I was out waiting for the, the ride to the airport. And I this hotel didn't have a shuttle there. <laughs> so I sat out there for <laughs> an hour. Uh, yeah. So anyways, I, I know I know your pain. Well, I mean, I didn't feel pain like that, man. I mean, uh, <laughs> Nebraska in February. I, I was there last year. I did a, I did the Nebraska Bigfoot Conference last year, not this past one. Um, and we were blessed by good weather. It was only in the 20s. That would have been a luxury. <laughs> okay, Cliff, without further ado, here's a witness, now a friend, that uh, I've had a lot of good conversations with, and he's got some interesting information that you're going to find interesting. Amarin. Hey. Yeah, I got Cliff on the line here with me. Hey, Cliff. Hey, man. So is Amarin, is that correct? Yeah, it's like Cameron without the C. Oh, okay. That's a good way to, to lay, it, lay it down for me. Been laying it down for about... 30 years, 34 years. Nice. <laughs> 30, you're 34 now, huh? I know, I'm getting old. Cliff was asking how I met you, and I was like, well, that's a funny story. And I was just going to tell him, because I know you were 19 when I met you, so that was 15 years ago. Yeah, either 18 or 19 is one of those years. That was up by uh, Seattle River Road in Darrington. Tell Cliff how we met. So <laughs> we were, me and my two buddies, we were on this hike. It was like eight-mile hike round trip. And uh, we're on our way back down, and we can see the tree line. We're kind of up there in elevation, so we're we can see the tree line. It's like a thousand feet away, and we hear this big old. We're like, oh my god! And uh, I was like, that's a bigfoot. My buddy's like, somebody's hurt. And my other buddy's like, that's it's a bear. We're like, yeah, we didn't know what we were going coming across. <laughs> I, I picked up like three rocks. I had like no defense for a bear or a sasquatch or whatever it was <laughs> my other buddy had like a pocket knife and my other my third buddy had a uh, 
a can of Axe body spray and a lighter for a torch. Like, <laughs> like we're just, we're out of luck. <laughs> so, okay. So your buddy had, a, he was going to spray it with fire. Your, your yeah. other friend was going to, was going to whittle a pointed stick and stab it. And you were going to juggle to confuse it. I mean, what, what were three rocks going to do? <laughs> I was going to throw the rocks like a big foot. <laughs> So yeah, they, they came around the corner and the looks of their faces, it was me and Yamaron standing there. <laughs> yeah, we, we take yeah, so we go down the tree line and we see Bobo two miles up the trail wearing flip flops. We're like <laughs> yeah. it's, the rest is history. You were all kind of right. There there's an element of Bigfoot bear and someone who's hurt all right there. <laughs> yeah. Amaron's all did you guys hear that? I'm like yeah, what did you think it was? He goes, that was a Bigfoot. And I was like, oh, that was me. I yeah. said, I said, I go, but the way he was acting, I said, because they were all kind of tripped out. And I looked at uh, Amron and I was like, you've heard that before, haven't you? And he said, yep. And then he told me his story. Is that the story we're going to hear today? Or is there other stuff been, that's been going on in the last X number of years? I mean, nothing recently because I've, I've moved. But the house that I grew up in is... Uh, in Arlington, Washington, it's kind of out towards Oso, where they had that mudslide a few years back. Yeah, that was a bad one. Yeah, there's a few. My my parents still live, live out that way. They got lucky. They're not anywhere near the, where the where the mudslide happened. But um, anyways, out there we would uh, like me and my dad would be chopping wood. Sometimes we had a wood burning fireplace, and uh, sometimes we'd hear screams in the woods, and it's like, what is that? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> And so, but sometimes we'd hear them and it would sound like a witch, like screaming in the woods and just other stuff like that. So, wow. And how long did you live there? I lived there probably three years. And then my parents bought a house kind of in the same area. Yeah. Like we couldn't see our neighbors up there. Like it was was a gorgeous place. Oh yeah. Yeah. That whole, and that whole area is just thick with Bigfoots. I mean, I've got some stuff from uh, Granite Falls. I've got stuff from Darrington. I've got uh, a lot of reports from that general area. Sure. Yeah. Then you actually saw one out there. Yeah. I was, I was in the fifth grade. I never really tell people that. Yeah. My parents didn't believe me. I don't even know if they still believe me, (laughs) but, uh, so I was, it was during the springtime. And it was just starting to get dark out. It was maybe like five o'clock or something like that. Five. It was kind of twilighty. It was baseball season. I remember that. I was playing little league, fifth grade, and so I was I was shooting around. I had a basketball hoop. I was shooting hoops for a little while, and then uh, I grabbed a baseball bat and I was doing bat swings. We just like kind of get your bat strength up. And I was facing the woods, and there's a little clearing, and this must have been about 500 feet away. And there's this clearing, and I was staring towards the clearing, and I was just doing these bat swings. And then in between the trees, I see this Sasquatch, like undeniable. I've been reading books at that point in my life about Bigfoot. I kind of grew up uh, Alaska Native, so I grew up, you know, always just learning about it, like always asking questions. I was just really entranced by it. So anyways, I see him come out. He was just walking sideways, or not, I mean, parallel to me, but he was just walking by. And uh, he took about like two and a half steps. And his last step and a half, he turned his head and looked right at me. And he was reddish color, it was like reddish brown and just huge. I remember I just froze and watched him and he was gone. It only lasted like a second, second and a half, but it was, it was clear as day. 
And uh, yeah, I was I was so scared. I just dropped my bat and I jumped up on my porch. I remember at that time our porch was like you had to have steps and it was like five feet up. And I was only a fifth grader and I had so much adrenaline. And I was so frightened. I just jumped all the way up on top of that and I ran inside <laughs> and locked the door. <laughs> Could you guesstimate uh, by the size? Did you go down there and look at branches and see how far above your head they were? You know, I was I was afraid to go over in that area for a long time. And I think we moved like maybe a few months after that. But I've driven by since and like just all the trees and everything have grown so much. But from from my memory, it was probably I just remember thinking like, oh, my gosh, that's like Shaquille O'Neal. It's like the size of Shaquille O'Neal. Like, I don't think it was like a 10 footer or anything like that. I think it was probably over seven feet tall. Was he like the Incredible Hulk, like big bulging muscles or? Oh, huge bulging muscles. Yeah. And just, I remember the color, it was like reddish brown, which is, and everything you see in the books at that point growing up, it's always like dark, dark haired, you know, not really reddish brown. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause, uh, um, it, no matter what color the hair actually looks when you backlight Sasquatch hair, it's always a reddish color. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. Cause you look at a Sasquatch like, or, I mean, not that we have that option, like, Hey, look at this Sasquatch, but you know, like a lot of people say it was black, but then it walked and then uh, the sunlight was behind it or it walked in front of this, you know, a lamp or something or a po- lamp post. And it always has a reddish tinge to it. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, uh, people would ask, of course, like, well, why, why is that true? And there's a perfectly normal biological reason for that. The same reason that orangutans, for example, are reddish, reddish, you know, color, or for example, deep sea fish, they're always a reddish orange color as well. It's because, um, the red and orange are the first wavelengths of light to be absorbed by the forest canopy. So uh, if a Sasquatch is cruising around underneath the trees, um, the light that hits it doesn't reflect the, uh, the reddish orange and they appear black. Oh, wow. It's also why ninjas used to wear uh, like red <laughs> geese and because they'd be uh, look just as dark as black at night. You serious? Yep. Wow. I just I thought it was because ninjas are cool. <laughs> yeah, I always thought they just wore black, but yeah. No, they'd wear red also because they'd make them look, because uh, they wore all black, it made them look, People could suspect they were ninjas, so they'd wear red. They can, then people think, well, they're not trying to hide at night because they're wearing red, but that was just like a, a little cover. Huh. Well, yeah. enough about ninjas. Back to Bigfoot. Yeah. This, <laughs> ninjas are cool too. I just don't know a lot about yeah. them. <laughs> right. What was like the hair on it? Like you said, it was reddish, whatever. But what was? Was there any different lengths in certain areas? Was it on the face? Was it on the? Could you see the hands? Honestly, it looked just like uh, the Patterson Gimlin Sasquatch, but a but I didn't see any breasts or anything. So I remember it like thinking immediately that it was a guy, but I think it looked just like that. So the truth just a diff- rendered a different color. Do you know how far away it was from you? It was a little ways away, but it was still close enough where I could see, like we made eye contact, you know, it wasn't that far away. We just had a long driveway and it was at the edge of our driveway. I was thinking maybe it was watching me shoot, shoot around when I was playing basketball. Like it could have been watching me for a little while. Where was it coming from? Where was it going? Well, we had a big ravine to the left, the direction that it was going. So I was thinking maybe it could have been down that way. Yeah, it was a big drop off, but it's a really wooded drop off. So it's a it's it's a real ravine, but like in Washington State, so it's just full of foliage and trees and, and everything. I went down there like one time because we used to have a we had a river down there, and uh, we used to sometimes walk down there to the river. Is that where you'd hear the cries come from? It 
nighttime. Yeah, I mean, we would hear weird stuff. I mean, you know, some people would think maybe it was a cougar, and I really don't know. But we would hear, like, crazy sounds, just like a witch screaming or laughing in the woods. So, Cliff, I know you've heard me talk about this at least a dozen times, but this is the guy I heard it from. He's an Athabascan Indian, Amarin is. His grandma is the woman who back in like the 1940s before Alaska was a state was out picking berries and um, woman she was with got kidnapped by a Sasquatch. Oh, that abduction story. Yeah. I've heard you tell that story before. That's, yeah. that's, well, that, that's your relative. It was an alleged abduction story. We don't know for sure what happened. Um, well, I believe they were out berry picking and then the girl had went missing and so, well, there's two berry picking stories. The first one, she went missing. You know, they couldn't find her. Like, they never found her. And uh, and then a year later, people were, were thinking that they maybe saw her. Or fish was getting stolen from a fish house because they, they, like, they had these smoke houses and fish houses where they, like, dry and cure and smoke the salmon. And so it kept getting stolen. And uh, and they and they they I think they saw her and they knew it was her. And they're like, holy cow, she's alive. And so they set up a trap, like some type of enclosure. And when she went in there one night, then they were able to uh, basically trap her. And then they had to put her like in some type of a cage for like six months. Like she basically turned feral. She was just wild. Like her hair was crazy. And they were thinking that she was living with like a family of Sasquatches for that year. You know, like someone had to be taking care of her. I mean, it's so brutally cold up there. It was the Yukon. Yeah. It was, in, it was down the Yukon where my mom's side of the family is from. That was so long ago that I remember even, like, inquiring about the story. Because I remember growing up hearing the story. Um, but then I was asking my mom the other day, and she was telling me uh, just basically what I just told you. And I was like, oh, wow. Um, and then there's another one where a girl, same same area, same situation, where she uh, they were berry picking. Because, you know, that's, that's just what they do up there. You got to... You eat a lot of berries and stuff, a lot of a lot of salmon. But she uh, she went missing too, and they looked, and then they found her like three days later, and she was high up in a tree, just sitting like hanging out up there, and her hair was braided, I guess, and uh, yeah, just really really weird, you know. And what did she have to say about that? I guess they don't just they just don't remember anything. It's all, like maybe maybe they block it out mentally. I mean. I really don't the, know. The, the abductees, the people who were abducted, don't remember yeah. or don't say. So did she just yeah. said like, yeah, I'm just hanging out in a tree. Like, don't worry. Yeah, ain't no thing. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's just really, really weird. That is um, weird. But it's it's almost like they block it out. Like, or you become feral. And, you know, like, I think your mind will protect you a lot of the times when, like, weird abductions happen. Like, things like that. So, like, something traumatizing, like, you might feel like it's a dream possibly. Or, like, it would just be really weird. You know, like, I don't even know how I would react if I was a young child and something like that happened. Like, I don't know. You know, these sort of abduction stories, it seems to me at least, and, you know, I'm just some white guy, but it seems like it's, they're much more common amongst Native communities. Do you attribute that to perhaps they just live, uh, the, like the Native peoples uh, live more intertwined with the wild or live in areas where they're just more Bigfoots or the Bigfoots feel more comfortable with the Native people? Or, like, what do you think that's about? Well, I think it's a, probably a combination of all of those. I'm not so sure that the Bigfoots are comfortable with people at all. Because, like, mm -hmm. 
I mean, really, they're probably encroaching, but they live out in the bush. Like, they live a subsistence lifestyle. Like, you know, they go hunting, they go fishing. Like, they have to live off the fat of the land, basically. And I just think by living in the bush, you have uh, easier access to to have these encounters, to have these situations occur. And you're living in L.A. or You're not going to see a Sasquatch now. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You might see some rac- raccoons, like, stealing from a garbage can or something, but... Yeah, that's for sure. I know that you spent, you were, at least for some of your youth, you were in Washington. Um, but did you grow up at all in, in Alaska? So I was born in Alaska. My parents were teachers. And so we, uh, we, my dad got a job as a principal down here. So he moved down here to Arlington when I was in the third grade. But mm-hmm. because they work for the school district, we would have summers off. So I'd spend all my summers, a couple months at a time, up in Alaska. Way deep out in the bush. Yeah, in the bush. We would fly up to Fairbanks, and then you'd go to the other side of the airport to the where the bush planes are, <laughs> and then you'd hop in like a little six-seater and fly west for over an hour, and you could either do it that way or you could hop in a riverboat and go down the river for five hours or whatever. But uh, we never did the boat thing. We just we just got in the bush planes and hop. And I remember always flying, and you would just see nothing as far as you could see. But there's just lakes everywhere because there's, I mean, there's so many mosquitoes up there. It's brutal. I just remember seeing these ponds and lakes everywhere. And then you're just kind of following the Yukon River. And in that river, I mean, it's a mile wide in some spots. You know, it's, it's a big water source. Are both of your parents native? No, my dad is actually from Utah. But my, you know, my mom is, she's Athabascan. Both her parents were Athabascan as well. And, and that's who you would spend time with during the summer. Every summer, even when I didn't want to go up there when I was a kid, I didn't have a choice. I was getting drug up to Alaska. <laughs> I look back now and I, I'm glad I had that opportunity. And the sun never sets up there in the summertime, you know, because of the Earth's axis. So it's like sunset all night long. So I don't even know when we slept. Like we were hmm. just we were just always outside, like fishing, doing all that stuff. It sounds like paradise. Yeah, minus the mosquitoes. Yeah, I suppose yeah. so. I, yeah, I've been to Fairbanks. <laughs> the mosquitoes are gnarly. During the summers, when you're up with your uh, aunts and uncles and grandparents and all that sort of stuff on the native side, what sort of stories did they share about Sasquatches or Sasquatch-like creatures? Or did they even equate them at the time? Like, you know, like the Zonaqua, for example, in the the Salish language or whatever. That's probably a Sasquatch-like creature. We can equate the two now that we stand back and look. But are there stories that you were told that looking at from your perspective now, you go, oh, that was a Bigfoot story. And I just maybe didn't realize it at the time. Pretty much all the stories were immediately a story about Bigfoot. The Athabascan word for it is Nigalina. Most of the stories, I mean, the the ones I told you about, the girls that went missing and kind of became feral, I remember hearing those. But then most of the, most of the stories that we would hear was like, oh, did you hear so-and-so just saw one like up at Bishop Mountain or blah, 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 blah. And you're like, holy cow. And so people don't even... Like they don't even really question the credibility of people that have these sightings. They just they just like already know that it's real, you know? Yeah. And so there's a story I heard. Remember they were flying in an airplane, like he had his own personal Cessna or something. He, and instead of paying for flights, you just they had his own airplane. So he could go from Fairbanks back and forth, grab groceries, whatever. And he was flying and they and I guess his wife looked down and she saw one just running across the beach, like when I was young, they used to say that it would like the rumor was they would run so fast that it would look like they were flying. 
I, I remember hearing that growing up. And so she, I remember this story. The late, they said that she saw it on the beach, running down the beach, and it looked like it was running so fast that almost like it was flying. She told her husband they circled around, and then it was gone. Yeah, Cliff, there's a few other things you've heard me talk about over the years that came from Amarin. So you're going to be you're more familiar with Amarin than you know, because when I was going to go <laughs> there and look for the Bigfoot graves in Alaska a couple of years ago, it was Amarin's uncle that found it. You want to tell him that story, Amarin? Yeah, well, I mean, just like another witness report. Yeah, he, he called me up and and he was all excited. And he told me. And so basically he has this friend. I won't say his name. He took his boat and his dog out, and he heard about this hill, and he wanted to climb it. And so he went and he climbed it, and then uh, he realized that there's a lake up there. And when he got to the lake, there was these weird mounds, like, all around. And it was, like, burial mounds. And then when he got up to the mounds, he started hearing shrieks and screams, and I guess stuff started getting thrown at him from the tree line. And so he just grabbed his dog and booked it out of there. So I thought when that happened, it was like recently, but I guess that happened back in the eighties and he never really told many people about it. If it's a Bigfoot burial site, then it's still there. You know, it didn't really change from the eighties. Cause we couldn't get in that year because of the floods. Yeah. They had a horrible flood. Like it was like a week after I found out about that. Um, they got, they got destroyed. Something else I shared with you, Cliff, came from Amarin also in Alaska, was that photo of the we thought was maybe a baby Bigfoot, but they thought was a stick Indian. With the ATV yeah. in it? Yes. Yeah, they call them little people up there. I think the stick Indian thing is just like a Northwest, maybe Salish type thing. That's a creepy picture. I made some phone calls, and I guess it was my cousin's friend that took the picture, but I don't know how to get a hold of them. Like, oh, yeah, if you can find that guy and get permission, we'd love to share that yeah. on the, like, the members section. I never, like, all my questions growing up was always about, like, Sasquatch. It was always about the woodsmen, you know? So I never even knew about little people until, like, a year and a half ago. And I was like, what is this? And I never really believed it. And then I saw this picture that was, like, circulating around my family, and I was like, holy crap. You know, I've been showing people, because I like to freak people out sometimes when I'm working with them. And we're like, because I, I work for the railroad, so, you know, we'll take freight trains over, like, the Cascades, over to the Wenatchee. And uh, sometimes I'll sometimes I'll tell people. You brought up something interesting. You said you work on the railroads. You must have heard stories from other people working on the railroads uh, of people seeing Sasquatches on or near the tracks. You know, when you when you're on a train at like two o'clock in the morning going through the Cascades, like you know, sometimes you talk about Bigfoot. <laughs> I know people on the railroads see these things. I've I've always heard reports and read a few and stuff, but literally yeah. two months ago, I was I was at uh, this bar in Boring, Oregon. This guy comes over and like looks at me, kind of funny, and you know that he comes up to me, goes, "Hey, <laughs> are you that are you that Bigfoot guy?" And I go, yeah, yeah, I am actually, because I've got a beard, and I'm, I didn't have a beard on the show, but I've got a beard now. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I, you know, I wasn't wearing glasses, but I maybe it looked like I was in disguise. But um, he comes up and he goes, hey, "You're that guy, right?" And he goes, yeah, you're Cliff, and that's why he goes, "Oh my God!" And he starts talking to him, and apparently he was with two other guys who worked for the railroad that goes along the 84, you know, right right along the Columbia River on the south side of the Columbia River in Oregon. It comes from from yeah. Eastern Oregon and goes into Portland. And two out of three of those guys had observed Sasquatches from wow. the train over the, in the last five years in the area of Cascade Locks. 
one of the guys said that there was something on the tracks that like it was like laying down on the tracks and he started blowing the horn and he he thought it was a bear or something sleeping on the tracks and and then the thing like stood up on two legs and like with one or two steps just disappeared into the woods and he went like holy shit you know and then the other guy said that he saw one walking on the other on the side of the road and he says all sorts of weird things happen along the uh, in the Cascade Locks Eagle Creek area along the the tracks and all this stuff happened in the same area in the same, like maybe three miles of tracks. That's funny. You said the bear thing, because this guy that I talked to this morning told me the, almost the exact same story. He was with another engineer and they were same thing going over the cascade mountains to Wenatchee. Cause he was on that run for a long time. That's like all he did. And, uh, and they look down, they go, Oh man, look at that bear. Or his engineer said that his engineer goes, Oh, look, there's a bear. And they go and they look over there. And then the bear stands up on two feet and walks away. And he's like, that was not a bear. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, basically the exact same story. Yeah, that's rad. I mean, uh, I was just writing a thing this morning for the museum, like writing this write-up. And um, I was commenting about how about half of Sasquatch sightings happen along roads and and the reasons why that might be and everything. And I think all of those reasons stand up for railroad t- tracks as well. It's because the railroad tracks or roads or power line cuts or any of these places yeah. are one of one of the few places in the woods where sunlight reaches the forest floor. And uh, that's where the highly nutritious plants grow. And so it collects things like deer and rabbits and herbivores, basically food yeah. items for Bigfoots. And of course, it's easier to travel through that area. There's a lot of reasons why Bigfoots would be hanging out along railroad tracks. Yeah, I see so, so much game when I'm on. I mean, I've seen bears, I've seen elk, moose, lots of deer, but I've never seen a cougar and I've never seen a Sasquatch. We have these in-cab cameras that, you know, just for liability purposes for the railroad, they are watching us out the front window. So I like to think that whatever we see is going to be captured on camera, you know, just like a police uh, cruiser, you know. I wonder how much weird footage they have that the railroad doesn't even tell anybody about or the people that don't even tell the railroad. Because I would tell the railroad, I'd be like, hey, man, we just saw a UFO and you're going to see that stuff in your camera. You need to take a look, you know? Yeah. Well, gosh, Cameron, it's been great talking to you. And um, you're, I told Cliff when we first started doing the podcast, I said, we got to get my buddy Amron on. He's got some great stories. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. They're super interesting. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, Cliff. That was awesome, Bubs. He was a great witness. You were correct. <laughs> you know what I appreciated about Emron is that uh, he has a little bit of uh, the native perspective and a little bit of the white perspective because you know he's uh, his his mom is native and his dad is white, so he gets a little bit of both worlds, and I think that's kind of cool. It's it's a it's a nice binocular vision to look at the subject through. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He he's hip to both worlds. That was a great conversation. Thank you so much for bringing such fantastic witnesses on the show. I love having conversations with people like that. Oh, yeah, he is great. So I guess till next week, we'll have to just keep it squatchy, folks. I'll do my best. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag 
Bigfoot and Beyond. 